Hey everyone and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me during this Christmas stream. I hope to make this one a little bit more uplifting than usual. As always, you know, that's, that's such a hard thing to do with the current news cycle, I admit. You know, I get con constantly sent this really negative news. I, I can't, you know, lie to you and say that isn't the case because it really is. Um, but in any case, I've tried to pick out some stuff that will be a little bit more lighthearted. In any case, let's get going, okay? Because I want to start out actually I'm talking about this woman whose name is Christina Cleveland. And I'm, and I'm bringing up this story because it's Christmas time. And she's a psychologist who authored the book called Black Liberation and the Divine Feminine. Really? Really? I know you, I know you guys are all like, how did I miss that off of the Christmas list? You know, I wanted to get that for my family members. Yeah, Black Liberation and Divine Feminine is her book. And she shared this excerpt online from the, and I, I kid you not, the Black Trans Prayer Book. I'm not sure those are prayers as opposed to hexes, but in any case, yes, the Black Trans Prayer Book, which said, and I quote, we should consider how the story of the Virgin Mary in the context of imbalances of power normalizes rape, unquote. See, you can see why this is so timely, right? No, seriously, this is an actual argument, and as I've been sort of browsing through the internet uh, over the past week or so, and yeah, apparently I, I, I just browse in dark circles, apparently. I keep seeing this weird theme that Mary was raped, and that's the Christmas story, and that's what everybody is celebrating because we have such a rape culture. And there's just something about that that I, I can't help but find amusing because it's just so out there. And this woman, by the way, Cleveland, she quit her post at Duke University's D Divinity School in 2019. Seriously, that, that's her thing. She actually did that. You know, women shouldn't be preachers and all. But really, that was one of her things. And she, I keep seeing this stuff about how there was, there was a clear imbalance of powers, like, you know, because she consented, you know, she was asked and she said yes. And so it's not rape. And yet uh, these people want it to be so badly. But if you if you really wanted the, the black trans prayer book, that was described as an interfaith, multidimensional artistic and theological work that collects the stories, poems, prayers, meditation, spells, and incantations of black, trans, and non-binary people." Unquote. That's it's a real quote. Seriously, so it's, it's a combination of prayers and spells and incantations. That's so surprising for, you know, a non-binary book and of black, trans people. Yes, these are the people who are actually writing uh, stories for the modern world, so to speak, which says something about our times, that this gets any sort of um, exposure by people who aren't mocking it, but people who actually think that this is a serious uh, topic, somebody to be taken seriously, and an argument to be taken seriously, like we should all just like stop celebrating Christmas because really we're just celebrating rape. Uh, that's, that's the narrative that they want to go with. So yeah, there's that. And I do want to I do want to talk briefly, actually, about the uh, Kim Potter case, because I know it's sort of dominating the headlines right now, and so I, I do want to uh, mention it, even though I don't have a whole lot to say on it. <clears throat> so for those who don't know or don't remember, Kim Potter was a police officer who shot a black man named Dante Wright during a traffic stop, and she's a woman cop, right, who accidentally used a gun instead of a taser. And just today, she was found guilty of manslaughter by a jury. And there's, there's really no argument that she, in fact, intended to use a taser, right? She threatened to tase the guy. 
She yelled taser three times. There's a video of this. And then she shot him once with her gun while, you know, yelling about the taser. That happened. Uh, so now that, in fact, she was found guilty of manslaughter, there are people who proclaim that, in fact, this means that, yes, there was a racial dynamic to the, the, to the shooting. That Instead, it was like some, some way emblematic of the way that police are targeting black people for death. That the police are like death squads. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make a joke of this story, but that's the way that it's covered seriously by some people that actually want us to believe that, that, that's, that that's happening. And I actually don't find it particularly surprising, uh, the ruling that is. And I know that a lot of people and conservatives and so on have said that this shouldn't have been the case. But the thing is, I think that if I were to do that, I think that I would probably be sentenced to manslaughter too. And I think that in, I know that it varies. When you come to gun laws and gun usage, it varies a lot by state. And it even varies depending on whether or not you're a police officer. But I do know that in many states, it's the case that if you accidentally shoot someone and didn't mean to, if you meant to use another weapon or something like that, then it would be considered manslaughter because it's an accidental murder. In fact, that's one of the reasons uh, I heard a lawyer argue this some time ago as to why you shouldn't ever have your, if you buy a, a a gun of some sort, you shouldn't ever have it adjusted to kind of change the trigger on it, to have a hair trigger. Because then, if you do that, the argument can later be made that in fact you didn't really mean to shoot the person who was, who, who you shot. Because in fact, you shot ahead of time and you weren't really meaning to, and that changes it from a self-defense argument to a manslaughter argument. And so there were actually lots of people lawyers and so on will tell you don't don't ever do that because you actually create this argument and there are insurance individuals um who will want you to have committed manslaughter instead so yeah it gets complicated there but and the person who was shot was not like a good person and this is uh, and that's kind of objectively true like you know in, in these cases whenever you have the racial dynamics working in this direction right the, the woman cop was white and the person shot was black you always have this sort of um, re-engineering of the person's life who was the victim of the shooting as if this person was an angel when in most cases they were really actually villains of our society. So Dante Wright shot a childhood friend in the head, carjacked a man and shot him in the leg and beat his face to a pulp and then he robbed a woman at gunpoint and choked her. So this is the sort of person that we're talking about you know, in, in context. Again, none of this makes it a racial killing, and it doesn't change the, uh, it doesn't change the, the entire dynamic of whether or not it's manslaughter. Um, it, it simply doesn't. Okay, so th those are my, my kind of takes on, on the Dante Wright case. It's not a, a something that I have a really strong feeling about. I'm just not surprised in the least that there was a, a manslaughter case. The only sort of mitigating factor was the fact that she was law enforcement, and so you don't actually expect you to get guilty verdicts very often in these cases where you have law enforcement involvement, because that's just not the usual case. Um, Hillary killed Epstein said, Kate Steinle was murdered by an illegal alien felon in possession of a firearm who was later acquitted. Yes, in California, if I remember correctly, uh, which is probably the main consideration to keep in mind there because um, yeah, it's California. And what, what do you say? The, the jury felt bad because he was, he was just confused. Um, it, it was actually a really terrible case uh, that you that you referenced there. And yes, it, the the justice system doesn't uh, work a lot of the time. 
Uh, this isn't me proclaiming that it does. Um, evidence violates community guidelines says white cop grabs wrong weapon equals fourth Reich. Black dude massacres dozens for being white, not political, racist, or terrorist. And yeah, I am kind of perturbed that basically the entire media focus has entirely moved on already from the intentional attack against the Christmas parade of white people for being white. Um, and that's just moved on already. And we're still back to, well, look at how racist police are and look at the sort of death squads that we have going on. I mean, you know, it, it didn't take long where the media just kind of push on as if we instead have this, this entirely different society where everybody's okay, you can just hunt down black people. And, and that's just, that's the way that we live. You know, it's, it's insane. Okay, uh, all right, let's move on though. I saw an article earlier and the headline was, and it was serious, it was Connecticut man ordered passport holder on Amazon. It arrived with a fake COVID vaccine card, officials say. So seriously, this guy ordered a passport holder and a vaccine passport holder. And in it was a fake vaccine card, as he says. Let me go ahead and, um, and show you this thing. Let's actually have this up for you. That is the picture taken by the person who received this and, um, well, was so outraged that he had to, he had to call in and report it to the government. He had to report it to the Attorney General's office. The horror that he got one of these. And the thing is, I don't think it even is what he thinks it is. I don't think it is a fake vaccine card. It's an example. It's an example of what you would put in there. You know, like when you buy a, a wallet of some kind, you ever had one and it contains a, as he might call it, a fake credit card? Yeah, it happens. People put examples in there. That happens all the time. Like, um, but, but no. Um, it is, instead, a massive conspiracy, and we need massive government resources to kind of step in and fix this. Um, that, that's, just, that's what they're saying. Uh, trigger one says, instead of a stock photo, it comes with a stock passport. Yes, in fact, similar, exactly. But this guy, and the thing is, it's not even just him, because you would think, right, that he, he would call and make this complaint, um, you know, to the degree that this can be called a criminal complaint because it's just a piece of card. Um, and then he would just get dismissed and whoever saw it would just say there's no problem there. Uh, but instead, no, you have the media is already involved with this massive conspiracy of the Amazon seller. The Amazon seller has been kicked off of Amazon. There's the attorney general's office for the state is actively involved in Connecticut. All because of all, all, all because of this. I mean, that is just, I guess it's kind of like the sign of the times that we're in, because even if it was a fake vaccine card that hasn't been filled out yet, I mean, what are you going to do? Send SWAT? I mean, seriously, um, there's nothing wrong. You could argue that it's, you know, First Amendment protected, you know, it's, it's just a piece of card with, with, with writing on it, with text on it. That's it. There's no crime there. And then the, the, the extra complaint was, and I'm just going to quote this. It says, The small card with the logo of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention was blank and an obvious fake. Unquote. <laughs> if it's so obvious, then why does it bother you so much? Um, and what is the problem with the CDC logo? Like, I see this everywhere. 
as if anybody prints out, this is like this new thing, if anybody prints out a government logo, he or she is guilty of some massive crime now. Like this is the way that we've sort of redesigned society since COVID. If you print out anything with a government logo, suddenly you're uh, some kind of terrorist. And th that's the thing, it's like, actually these logos are available publicly. They're actually called uh, public domain, right? <laughs> because they're government logos. Yes, you can actually print them out. It's not a big deal, but they're sort of reinventing this as a big deal because um, they don't want people to make a mockery of the system. And so uh, in, in Connecticut now they're talking about moving to um, electronic vaccine cards and so on to to get in the way of stuff like this. And that kind of reminds me of what's going on in Canada. And I'm not sure if this is within certain provinces or within the entire region of Canada, but they've got this thing where um, in, in at least some areas you have to kind of have your QR code on your phone that has the amount of the number of vaccines that you've had and that can be scanned and it's it corresponds with a governmental database in Canada so they can actually see um, and make sure that it is accurate and not not faked because you know how how dare you lie about your own medical data um, about what medical procedures you have or have not had and that's the the weird and just outright bizarre you know for some in, in some ways it seems like it was better when you were in the Soviet Union or you know or Germany even when they were asking for your papers and it was just like your name and your address and stuff <laughs> where you were going and it wasn't like here's all of my medical data um, you know come after me am I allowed to go shopping am I allowed to sit in a restaurant because I I'm not sure if I've had the right number of medical procedures uh, for you yet. You know, in some ways, it seems like we've kind of taken it to a, a step further instead of just seeing that as a sort of a warning. Kyle DeFranco says, January 6th protesters thought the people owned the government. Yeah, they did. They, they considered it to be a public building. Weren't they proved wrong? Uh, it's not a public building. It's like the government has said, you know, in, in a very real sense, the government push, pushes this whole thing of, no, we actually own you at this point. And it's like the moment they started issuing these mandates a couple of years ago, telling people to stay home and telling businesses to shut down, they already basically put forth the entire message, which was like, we own you and everything about you. Like, you know, you you have no rights, no freedoms. We, you're our property. And it, and it kind of, threw on its head the very mantra that we had in the past, which was an American ideal that the government is working for the people. And at that point, the government was saying, actually, no, that's not how it is. Let's not live in a fantasy. Um, you're our property. And everyone just went along with it. Um, and, now, and now here we are in our current status. Speaking of, of COVID-related hysteria. You know, there's a lot I can't say on this, but I can talk about the hysteria, so we shall. I did want to show you uh, over in Britain, because I'm talking about like really exaggerated propaganda. I can always kind of turn to Britain because I'm sorry for you Brits who are there and watching this late tonight, but we can always kind of look to, to you and see where we're going. Um, and that's not supposed to be amusing, but in this particular case, it's just kind of uh, a little bit. So here's a, an actual picture of a newsstand, right? So you've got these different newspapers and they all have the same thing on the front. They all say, get boosted now, a reference to, you know, getting the booster shot. 
And so it's like, um, again, to take the Soviet Union example, like, you know, you go in and you're like, you go to get a newspaper and everything is owned by the same people. The same message is being pushed by exactly the same people. And you might have seen from time to time, like on YouTube or something, these compilations where people on the news all say exactly the same thing word for word every once in a while and someone lines them all up and you see it and it's kind of weird. Right. But it just seems a little bit more in your face in an instance like this, when you see all the newspapers and they're just really pushing this. And, um, and then you see like the British TV has taken it into a, just this really kind of bizarre bent as well. And it's just really ultra cringy. Here, I wanted to show you this, um, this video produced by the ITV, which is, um, a British, uh, broadcasting company. So, you know, a TV station basically. you can give to your friends and family this Christmas. It gets you and them protected by getting the Please don't buy me a vaccine, vaccine for Christmas. Available <laughs> That's all I'm saying here. Now and get your booster vaccine and protect us all. God I mean, the and the ITV were here just for this. They make it sound like it was just some, you know, they just happened to be there to film that kind of cringy thing. But this is happening everywhere, right? I mean, like, whenever they, you know, whenever, and I talk to Brits from time to time, and it's like whenever, you know, they turn to a newspaper, as you saw, whenever they turn on the TV, it's just constant. And honestly, it's not that, it's not that much better here in the US, I don't think. And I know a lot, a lot of people are like, we wouldn't put out anything quite that sort of cringeworthy, but in fact we would. I would like to draw your eye on that note to what the actual White House recently um, released, okay? So we're gonna look at this, see, because I don't wanna like draw everyone's eye to Britain and everyone can just kind of mark them and be like, no, we would never do anything quite that cringeworthy. Um, but take a look at this. The tree This is at the White House, literally. There are heroes, you see. These are the ones that didn't get fired for not taking the shot, right? <laughs> these, are the, these are the remainder. I'm not sure why a couple get to wear masks and a couple don't. I, th I think that it's not that they're just white, because at first I thought it was just they were white, but it's not. It's the dominant singers don't have to wear masks, which means masks are necessary unless you're singing. Because science. <laughs> okay, that's enough. I just can't bear it anymore. I'm sorry. I was gonna, I was gonna watch more, but I just can't. Um, so that was, that was my, my parallel of, of the, the, the British, the British super cringy get vaccinated, and then the, um, the American sort of version of these people are our heroes except for when they don't do what the Biden administration tells them to do, in which case they're not and they should be fired and lose their jobs and not have any sort of um, unemployment or anything like that. Yeah, so that's, there's that. And, and it's kind of funny because you remember, and it hasn't been that long since we saw all these different like dancing nurses thing, you know, like these nurses running down uh, corridors and hallways and, you know, just kind of making a joke of the whole thing. 
a while society turns to them and kind of heralds them as sort of high priests of our modern society because they are the people who we're supposed to look up to as the ultimate sources of wisdom and all of that. And then at the same time, they um, then they got fired um, because they weren't willing to to take the the shot. So that was it was kind of interesting just how quickly that sort of change took place uh, if you follow. Um, uh, and to, to Arizona, well, I, I don't agree that um, that it's a natural selection like thing because I can understand why you'd say that. But you have to bear in mind that like a lot of the people right now are being forced into, I mean, at least coerced into making decisions like this uh, that they shouldn't ever have to make. Like seriously, um, for a minute, there are people who have been forced to make medical decisions that they think were against their their own interests. So regardless of whether you think they were or not, they, at the time of accepting this medical procedure, they believed it was likely to cause them harm, but they did so because they thought that that would be the way to say, keep their jobs, and they needed to keep their jobs in order to feed their families. And there are a lot of people like that. I've heard from a lot of people who are in that situation where they're like, well, I have to feed my family, what am I going to do? And so therefore, I'll place you know i'll place myself at perceived risk in order to do so and i think there's just something really warped and twisted about that sort of situation and that's that's where we are uh yeah um okay i'm, I'm skipping a, a few of your uh comments there because i can't repeat them on air but yeah it's like if you <laughs> If you look at that White House video, I don't know about you, but I kind of imagine like what would like George Washington and Jefferson think if they were watching this kind of thing happen in the White House? Um, yeah. Um, in fact, oh, you just said that all that clown world theater by George Washington portrait just doesn't seem right. Exactly. It's like <laughs> exactly right. It's like it's almost like past and present. You kind of see like you can almost see in a very real sense. Oh, look, you can see the sort of fall, the fall of, of civilization happening. Um, <laughs> almost in real time, right? You can see, you can see what we used to have. And you're like, well, we're no longer there. Look how far we've fallen. It's like you can uh, kind of get a window into the ridiculousness of our society, and then you have to wonder, well, what are the countries around the world thinking? Like the countries around the world who actually take themselves seriously and who wouldn't allow this, and some of whom consider themselves enemies to us. Uh, like, are we sending the correct message? Well, no, but uh, that's where we are. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> John Cox says, what's going on today makes me long for the simplicity of the 80s. Yeah, I know. I know it. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the well, no wonder YouTube hides the dislikes. Well, they hide the dislikes because of the White House channel, I believe. <laughs> no, no. I do think it was actually really interesting, though, that they actually started hiding the dislikes right before their, um, what's it called, the YouTube Rewind, which comes up every year and is always the most disliked video of any video on YouTube, right? Because they push it so hard, so everyone watches it, and then everybody hates it because it's this super woke thing that doesn't represent anything that's happened on YouTube at all. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Catherine, how's, how's your little dog? Starbuck is doing well, thank you. Okay, moving on. Um... You know the, uh, I want to talk about California for a minute and the marijuana industry, okay? Because you know the reason that 
marijuana was legalized in a lot of states for recreational use, right? It wasn't any of the moral arguments. That that wasn't it. It wasn't that these legislatures had, had decided and got together and said, you know what, putting people in cages for using this plant doesn't make sense. It wasn't people who said, you know, there is more harm being done by the prohibition of marijuana than there would be from the legalization of it. It wasn't any of that. Um, it, it wasn't, look at how much we're spending just locking people up. It wasn't that. It was, it was all about the money, the potential for money for the government and for the individuals. That was the, that was the thing that got things to change. <laughs> Instead, they were saying, well, you know, these Mexican drug cartels, we're kind of jealous of them. How do we get some of that money? And that was what really changed things. It was, we could have a massive industry, a massive marijuana or cannabis, if you prefer, industry, and then they could form their own little lobbying groups. And it being the big industry that it is, those lobbyists could send us massive amounts of money in order to, you know, keep supporting this. And it would just be our own little cartel. Well, that's, that's actually what happened in state after state throughout the United States. And the thing is, in California, they managed to screw that up. The thing is, in California, the taxes are so high on cannabis that the legal businesses are dying. <clears throat> yeah, I, I wish I were joking. But this, is, this is how bad government bureaucracy can actually be. They can take this mega multi-billion dollar industry that is the marijuana industry. And I say multi-billion, I mean by state, you know. Um, <laughs> and they can run it into the ground. And that is what is happening. Like four years after broad legal sales began, a letter from the industry uh, to Gavin Newsom, the, the governor of California, said, and I quote, our industry is collapsing. They're begging for a reprieve from tax taxation and excessive regulation. No, seriously, um, that's actually happening because I know people looked at Colorado and other states and said, well, they're, they're making like tons of money. And it's really, um, I, I know in, Cal in Colorado in the first like couple of years, they managed to really compensate for how much debt the state was in. Then you look over at California and they just kind of managed. Because Colorado was actually pretty bad as far as like taxation goes on cannabis. But uh, Ca California's like, well, we, we, can, we can maximize the problem here, right? We can we can maximize the, the taxes and we can maximize the regulation like they do, like they do so well. And so now in California, right, legal pot or legal marijuana or cannabis, whatever you want to call it, is twice the price of um, the underground market. It's twice the price. So there's little incentive for people to purchase it legally um, if they have another source, because after they've purchased it, well, then their possession of it is legal. And so it's it's really um, driving the businesses out of business. They, there's just no reason. And it's like, and it just says something to me because it's like, well, this is the sort of lengths of government bureaucracy. Like, you just can't imagine just kind of how many layers you can have to such a degree that it's like, wow, that's impressive. Like, how do you take that kind of a business that does that well, that brings in literally billions that has massive demand, regardless of, you know, your feelings on it, that doesn't matter. It has massive demand, and then run it into the ground. Top Secret Bear says, I mean, it just grows in California almost year-round in some places. It's pretty hard to mess up. And yet, 
And yet the, the government legislatures have figured out ways so that they just can't sell it in a profitable way. And part of it actually is that uh, some of the law in California that legalized it uh, allowed certain cities to come up with their own regulations in addition to the state regulations. And so it's become just so incredibly impossible for, for, for them to like function within all the different uh, regulatory nightmare and all the different red tape that's in place. Uh, yeah, so I, I just wanted to share that with you because it's like I read that and I was like, that can't be right, can it? Like, can it seriously be? But yes, yes. Um, with with government bureaucracy, there is no sort of limit to what they can't screw up. So you, then you look at you know the rest of government and it just sort of kind of makes sense because it's like, well, if they can mess that up, if they can if they can run that business down uh, with the, with the constant demand that's kind of ever growing, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, yeah, government in action, exactly right. Oh, speaking of California, actually, the um. I want to draw your attention to the case of Dr. Daniel Lee. Dr. Daniel Lee was, until very recently, the Department of Education Deputy Superintendent of Equity. So again, <laughs> I know that's a mouthful. The Department of Education Deputy Superintendent of Equity. Okay, so he works for the California school system as the Superintendent of Equity. See, now you still don't know what he does. I don't either. See, it's just like you read, you, you hear that sort of title, and you're like, okay, so he just wastes he wastes taxpayer money talking about how white people are bad. Exactly, exactly right. No, recently he was forced to resign um, because he lives in Philadelphia and runs a business in Philadelphia, even though he's officially working in the California school system or was officially working in the California school system. Now, when this got announced, he was forced to step down and he did, but this was a job that he was in with a $180,000 salary, taxpayer funded salary, just to be clear. It was, <laughs> yes. See, that's the job that you need, right? It's the job that I need. It's the job that everybody needs. It's the, it's the $180,000 job for the Department of Education on equity. Just, you know, working out how to how to overcome that implicit bias because we no longer have real bias to fight against. So we have to come up with bias that we see that isn't really there bias, the implicit bias. It was actually that position was a brand new position created for him by the state superintendent of public instruction, a guy named Tony Thurmond, specifically for Lee, because Lee was his personal friend and former groomsman. Um, no, really, because on, on June 4th, 2020, Thurmond announced several multi-pronged partnerships and initiatives to address implicit bias and racism in California schools. And so Lee was placed in charge of this to, to search for that implicit bias uh, everywhere, wherever he sees it, which is everywhere because that's the way that it works. You know, this is actually, this kind of thing, um, this, is, this has always kind of been one of my reasons to oppose communism. And I know this seems like a tangent and kind of a bit off topic, but it's not, so bear with me. See, it's like the people who propose that communism would work and should work are people who think that if you had more bureaucracy, a bigger government, that things would in some way be better. And when I spend all this time going through this news, I don't see that. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like what we talked about with the marijuana story a minute ago, and we're talking about now with the Department of Education in California. It's like I actually don't see more bureaucracy being equal to anything positive. I don't. And I'm not sure how those people do. Like, what is it about communism do you like? What is it about big government do you like? Did you look at the efficiency of the DMV or the compassion of the IRS and say, I want some of that? I, I just don't get it. And by the way, talking of efficiency, this guy Lee, who resigned recently uh, in shame, is still listed on the California Department of Education website, you know, for his his position in equity. And I imagine he will be for some time. I mean, how many months do you think it will take for the government to take him down? Mm. It's an open question. But seriously, um, that's where we are. <laughs> it's like, like I didn't expect them to remove his listing yet. I expect it'll take a good six months because that is how quickly the government fixes things. Um, that's exactly the efficiency of government. They're good and efficient at creating reasons for their own existence, but not actually doing things that help the people they're supposed to be helping. That's the reality. Um, Moonglow says, how to run a business, hire liberals. No, no, <laughs> yeah, uh, ruin a business. Yeah, certainly. Okay. Um, Alex Chappie says, CDC has released official documents on detention and quarantine for individuals who carry respiratory illnesses. Um, well, you're being upbeat tonight. And very Christmassy. I appreciate your your allegiance to making this a happy a happy Christmas stream. But seriously, I'm not surprised at that. And I, as as the government seeks to scapegoat and make the sort of unvaccinated or the uncompliant into the um, the people responsible for all of these social ills, you're going to eventually have a point where the government can say, well. Because of these people, we're, and we're already here, that the point where the government says, well, because of these people, you can't have your rights and freedoms. And the next step is, and therefore we have to get rid of or do something about those people. And that's, I mean, it's, it's not difficult to look toward the future and to see that. I mean, you can look toward the past and see that's what has happened. Whenever you have a government that has marginalized and dehumanized one group and blamed them, for all of society's ills, and I think it's especially the case whenever that same government is responsible, like government is responsible for the very things that it accuses the scapegoat group of doing. Like, for example, how the Biden regime accuses the um, unvaccinated of taking away your freedoms. Like, the unvaccinated didn't do that. The unvaccinated are just trying to live, um, you know, in their own way. They're not taking away anyone's freedoms. They're, they're using their own. And and yet that's the sort of narrative that you get, and that that's a really sort of um, dark place. Uh, it it doesn't bode well for the future in, in the coming future, and I think that's one of the reasons. I should say it is one of the reasons why I've talked so much and tried to encourage you guys to interconnect as much as possible um, with with others and to sort of form your own little communities. Because I think it's the best way for you to um, live and be safe at this point, and in and in the coming years as things sort of get worse. But that's not very Christmassy, and that's not very uplifting, and I'm trying to be more positive tonight, and you're making it hard, so stop it. All right, hold on a second. <clears throat> um, Moonglow is, Trump is losing support for backing the vaccine and deserting January 6th political prisoners. Well, yes, but now he's beginning to support Biden, I believe. He he, he issued a public announcement. He understands Biden more now. So there's that. 
Yeah, and there's still people who are kind of like shilling for Trump 2024, and I have trouble kind of understanding that. I don't see uh, why that would be the case. Like, I, I honestly, I don't. I, I can understand absolutely why people would have supported him in 2016 when he was this figure who was divisive in all the right ways, right? He was divisive to the, the Democrat system, the Republican orthodoxy. He was divisive toward the media. You know, he, he upset the world that needed to be upset by saying the truths that other people were unwilling to say. That was great. Now he's just sort of part of the system. And he became that way most especially during the last year of his presidency. Um, you know, during that last year of his presidency is when he started, you know, congratulating Gavin Newsom for locking up uh, his own citizens over in California. It was during that last year, or close to that last year, I believe, when he did the whole uh, take the guns first, due process later thing that ought to have horrified everybody. You know, all, all that's the case. And yet people now, I should say some people now, uh, still want to promote the idea that, you know, we should have Trump 2024. It's like, do you really, do you want another four years? Because I don't find that particularly comforting at this point. It seemed a lot like Biden in the worst ways took over where Trump left off. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Carlson 2024. Yeah, I could actually get behind that. Okay. Um. Let's move on. I do want to talk about uh, the company called Shields of Strength. It's a, a dog tag maker, you know, like for military guys. And um, they make customized uh, dog tags with religious messages on them. And they've been doing this for like, uh, I think it's a, it was like 20 years that they've been doing this. Here, let me go ahead and pull up some examples. This is actually directly from their website. So you can get an example. And they kind of often have some sort of message biblically speaking from the Bible, um, about how God is with you and therefore show courage and so on. No, that's not an exact quote. Um, but they've been doing this for 20 years. Never been a problem. Suddenly, the Department of Defense told this Texas-based company to stop printing scripture on its dog tags. Now, this is a private company. It can and should do whatever the heck it wants and is not you know, obligated to stop printing religious messages. But they got this message from the Department of Defense telling them to stop doing this. Uh, Kevin Vaughn, who's the owner of the company, said that one complaint led to this letter and this instruction uh, by the Pentagon. The, the complaint came from a group called the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, which is an anti-religious, anti-Christian organization that basically seeks to remove any sort of uh, symbol of, of Christianity, most especially, from any area of public life. So they said the Religious Freedom Foundation, they actually mean the freedom from religion, the freedom from any sort of religiosity, but especially Christianity, they seem to have kind of like a special loathing uh, for that. And so now the owner of Shields of Strength is being defended by the First Liberty Institute, who is suing the Department of of defense, because the Department of Defense is, is essentially trying, through a sort of terrorism, to uh, to come after this one company, right? Is is uh, I'm trying to be specific in the way that I speak on this one, but yeah, the Department of Defense actually sent this letter over, giving a private company an instruction as to what or not what it can do with its dark tags and what it can print, and advising that he's in some way in violation of law, which obviously he's not. 
any more than a person who printed cards uh, out earlier on. It's, you know, still a, a freedom of religion and of speech argument in this case. And and so he had to, yeah, he had to come, he had to fix it. And so he wants to keep on going. He's been doing it for 20 years. He gets a lot of people who come to him and who get some kind of solace from it. So, yeah, good for him. Okay, one sec, and then we'll get to some more positive news. <clears throat> um, yeah, as for that organization, they've been sort of instrumental in previous times in doing stuff like removing the Ten Commandments outside of um, courthouses and stuff like that. So yeah, they, they just kind of search for any any way to remove reminders of God from people's daily lives. Yeah. And the thing is that I think that in sort of the, the best times as as to Western civilization go, you couldn't really be divorced from it. And increasingly you can, and I think it's part of the sort of problem with our society now. It's like, if you, if you look back to Europe and to the Christendom that we once had, right, it would be impossible to be alive then and not be really familiar with with the Christian faith because it would be everywhere. You know, it, it wouldn't just be in the churches, it would also be built into their academia and into their culture and into their music and it's just sort of like it was just so intrinsic to the foundation of the community that there was no separation from it and and to some degree i think that makes it sort of easier to be good it's it's easier to be good when you're surrounded by these sort of symbols and reminders of what it is to be good and other people who are striving towards similar goals um anyway yeah uh, top secret best is my local courthouse still has a manger scene. I checked. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Oh, we did have like some kind of, you might say, positive Christmas news. Maybe you're gonna think I'm awful for calling this positive Christmas news, but there have been some um, people who've been sent to prison related to their Antifa work. Uh, so you might say it's sort of a, a kind of positive. So there's this guy named Jacob Gaines. Um, yeah, and he assaulted federal officers with a four-pound sledgehammer, apparently, while trying to break into a federal courthouse. Uh, let's see if I can... There you go. There he is. So he's a really, you know, uh, handsome dude. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, they always, they always kind of have the same look, it seems. And I, if you don't want to call that a sledgehammer, don't argue with me. I'm a girl. I don't know what makes a sledgehammer sledgy. But I just know what the, what the official... Um, indictment papers said and they said it was a sledgehammer so i'm calling it a sledgehammer um no arguments all right but anyway he was trying to break into the federal courthouse um with that um and in so doing as he's beating on this door some cops come out of the door and then he starts trying to hammer them um with this thing so yeah in, in any case and as he did that he ended up getting finally finally, just now, sentenced to 46 months in federal prison, which, you know, is something. <laughs> it's like, there have been so many charges that have been dropped against these Antifa people out in Portland. You know, like, as soon as the Biden administration got in, I don't know how many of you guys remember this, but as soon as the Biden administration got in, they dropped tons of different federal charges against the Portland rioters. Because, you know, Trump had caused a lot of the different people out there in Portland. The sheriff's deputies became uh, deputized as federal marshals. 
and they ended up charging these rioters under federal law because the people out in Portland would not charge them and kept releasing them, so they kept committing more crimes over and over. So you had people like this guy, you know, super sweet, as I'm sure he, he looks, right, who eventually got charged under federal charges, and this is one of the very few people who did not get away with it, I guess. So yeah, eventually he got uh, 46 months in federal prison just recently. And this is the first time a federal judge has sentenced a Portland Antifa rioter above the final recommendation of prosecutors. The prosecutors wanted him charged, you know, for 30, they wanted him sentenced for 37 months, sorry. So, and he got uh, 46. So they charged him actually above the recommendation of the prosecutors, which is unusual, but it's like, he tried to hammer people in the head. So you might argue that it's still a little light, considering that, I mean, I don't think I'd try to hammer somebody in the head with a, I'm just going to call it a big hammer, because it doesn't seem like it's a sledgehammer to me, but it, you know, whatever. You know, I, I'm not a hammer expert or a tool expert of any variety. But anyway, if I was hammering someone in the head, hypothetically, I would be presuming that it had a high likelihood of killing them, right? So it would seem like an, an attempted murder charge would be most appropriate in that particular case. So that was the point that I was trying to get to. Um, yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's just turn that off because I'm going to quit arguing about the hammer with you guys. Um, in any case, okay, sharp hammer apparently. All right. But... Um, and there's more actually. There have been a couple of different new arrests. Yeah, hammering someone in the head is an intent to, an intent to kill them. Exactly, that was my point. Uh, there have been more arrests. There's another guy called Justin Moore, who is again another Antifa guy, and we'll just go ahead and pull him up because we're. I, I don't know why we had pictures for all of these this time, but I I kind of went all out producing. We didn't ready for this stream. So there is Justin Moore. Now, why do we not have? A real picture of him why is he in a mask in the pictures released even by the police I can't answer that it doesn't make any sense to me it's the oddest thing it's like do they not have a mugshot seriously um, but he actually sorry I shouldn't be so lighthearted on this particular topic but it's just like wow they're actually getting arrested that's that, that's a beat sort of you know in our world that doesn't make any sense anymore he attempted a firebomb attack on Seattle Police Officers Guild Right, so he brought 12 Molotov cocktails in the form of um, Corona Extra bottles, if you are wondering. That's, that's what he decided to go for. They brought 12 of them to try and, and you might think, to set this building on fire. Because that would be a reasonable inference. Um, not inference, but <laughs> it actually happened. This is September 2020. There's this text exchange that, that the feds have of... They just call him Conspirator 1 and Conspirator 2, all right? And we don't know which one he is. But they're talking about uh, using, using these Molotov cocktails. And one of them says, oh, we're going to try and take the whole building down. And the other, the other one's like, I'm not sure you can do that with a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> which is kind of hilarious because this guy's thinking, you know, like we just throw enough fire and the, the building is going to come down in its own footprint somehow. Uh, and I'm guessing it was this guy. I don't know, but I'm just going to go with that. Um, <laughs> Moore was actually previously arrested in Antifa riot in, in January, but the judge let him go because why wouldn't you let him go? You know, he's, he's Antifa. So yeah. And, I mean, as for this mask picture, it just seems so ridiculous. It's like, if you're going to show a picture of someone who's involved in a crime or presumably involved in a crime, 
why on earth would you use a mask picture? Um, I, I don't get it. It, it. it reminds me of actually a story. Hold on. It reminds me. Okay. So I was living in this small North Carolina town a few years ago. And there was this shooting at the local steakhouse. It's really happened. Um, and the shooter had been wearing a ski mask because this was before regular masks, right? Before, before everyone was wearing paper and cloth masks, you know. So he was wearing this ski mask and he shot somebody in the steakhouse because someone tried to disarm him. Well, then after that, he actually got away after robbing the steakhouse and nobody knew what he looked like. But the police, in all the wisdom of small town police, you know, they put up these these pictures everywhere of like a, you know, like an, a drawing of this uh, person. But the drawing showed a person in a ski mask. So all you could see was somebody with brown eyes. That was the picture. And I just never really understood it. Like, are we just supposed to look around for, for brown eyes and just kind of assume something from that? Like, I know that guy, <laughs> you know, from them, those eyes. It was, it was the strangest thing. So anyway, yes, that's what that reminds me of when I see a person in a mask put out by police. I'm just like, um, and, and they know who he is. They've already got his name. So it's not like they're even looking for identification in this particular case. Yes. But anyway, yes, he, he, he tried to, um, to blow up using Molotov cocktails, a police event, and obviously failed at that. Um, yeah, I don't need to actually specify that, but yes, he failed at that act, but he was eventually arrested. He has now been arrested again. His last time he was, he was charged, he was just kind of let go, which makes no sense, but that's the times that we live in, and that's the area that he lives in, so that's where we are. Hold on. And see if are not sending their best. Exactly. Exactly. Do they have any? I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is their best. <laughs> uh, maybe it works in his video games. I'm sure that it does. And that's the thing. He's been playing too many of them. Hasn't spent enough time in the real world, but he's getting there. One step at a time. Although, actually, um, I did see that when they raided his house, they did actually find some information on actual bomb making. So maybe he was trying to sort of... I shouldn't say this. Maybe he was trying to sort of transcend his prior efforts and accomplish something that actually was effective. Who knows? Who knows? Moving on, though, because I don't think we should stay on that topic for long. Uh, I, was, I was offered some information. I know a lot of you are really concerned <clears throat> about the latest variant, the Omicron variant. It's, who wouldn't be? It's the latest in a long slew of strains. So I went to an official source, you know, CBS News, and this is real, by the way. And I would like to offer some information with no comment from myself, um, because I can't comment, but I'd like to show you. This is from CBS 17. It says, it may be hard to tell whether you have the Omicron variant or just a plain cold. The top five symptoms recorded were runny nose, headache, Fatigue, either mild or severe, sneezing, and a sore throat. And I don't know about you, but I am so scared. Um, <laughs> and seriously, United Airlines just preemptively cancelled over 100 Christmas Eve flights due to this variant. Again, 
I'm not going to comment besides saying that I'm very scared after reading that symptom list. But seriously, the United Airlines just cancelled 100 flights because some of their staff have been, and I quote, directly affected by this strain. And I know that if I were directly affected by that strain, as therein described by the mainstream media, which is, of course, a source that I, I respect and trust, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be very concerned too. So, Carl um, <laughs> DeFranco says, that's a NyQuil commercial. I know, I know, I, I, I love it. Honestly, I, I love it. But, um, but it's not me saying it to any of the overlords who might be watching at some point and judging this stream. It's not me. That's why I kept the title. It's for real. That, you know, and I first saw, I actually saw somebody post a picture um, of this, actually post a text of this. And I had to go looking for it because I'm like, did somebody, did they really put that out? You know, or is this just like some meme, like people joking around on the internet, which happens and it's often funny. But in this case, it's actually real um, with, with title and all. And there's more I could say, but I won't. So, because I'm exercising lots of self-restraint on this particular stream. Um, and if you guys, I'm going to wrap up the stream soon because I don't want to go for too long tonight. But if you have any um, comments that you would like answered, or questions rather, if I'm going to answer them as opposed to comments upon them, um, go ahead and send those my way. It's been, um, I, I, I was talking about this on the test stream last night, um, but you weren't all there for that. So I'll just kind of bring it up again. I actually was just speaking to a woman uh, yesterday afternoon who was telling me that she she got her vaccine uh, because she was told, and told by everyone, that if she did that, she wouldn't have to wear a mask anymore. And she just kind of considered it to be a sort of a bargain. And she would do that, and she wouldn't have to wear a mask. And now she's being told, in fact, she does, in fact, have to still continue to wear the, the mask at her work 24-7. Um, and so she feels a bit violated. And she told me that she felt like this was never going to sort of end and go away. And there was something sort of, I don't know, relieving. I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's like when you actually talk to a person in this sort of real world and they say something like this, it's like, wow, you know, she, she didn't know my politics. She didn't know anything about that, but yet felt comfortable enough to, to, to kind of say these things. It's like, well, okay, that's, that's reassuring that normal people who had sort of tuned out, have begun to sort of see these patterns. Um, YouTube user said, how naive can you be? Well, you know, people make bad decisions all the time and people make their own medical decisions. In her case, though, she wasn't actually doing it for medical reasons, though, which was kind of interesting. The fact that there was this trade-off that she thought that she would in some way sort of gain some freedom, right? Um, but by making this decision. And, this, and then now she realizes and can come, come to this realization that there is no point at which you can kind of placate these people, that there's no point at which the freedom comes back. And that was kind of reassuring to see from somebody who previously had obviously thought the opposite, had obviously thought it was possible to kind of make a, a bargain, right? To, to, if, you could, if you could just comply enough, everything would be okay, and you'd get the freedoms back. Okay, hold on a sec. Uh, when is the Potter sentencing? It won't be until the new year. Are you drinking spiked eggnog? No, no. I, I'm just trying to keep the, the, the stream 
a little bit happier than normal because it really does seem like you know I cover a lot of news and a lot of it is negative and I I do think which is not a positive sentiment that our society is on a downward tra trajectory I do um, and so I, I cover that and I try and provide you guys with some camaraderie in watching the descent so to speak along with pointing out the areas in which we're going wrong societally and how we can sort of overcome it in our local communities um, but I don't want to do that too much on a Christmas stream because I just want people to kind of take the edge off and relax and be able to sort of spend time with the friends and family members that make up those communities. Um, but it is difficult. It really is. Uh, 4 a.m. here. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I guess you must be in Britain. Yeah, the, uh, it does seem it still surprises me that I actually have some people who watch this over in England, uh, despite the time of night. And I would like to do it at a time that worked for everybody, but there is no such time. Because, you know, I do it here at, um, at 10 and over in California, that's 7 and they have to get, you know, on the West Coast, you know, they have to get back from work. And a lot of people are like, well, there's probably nobody in California watching. But on the West Coast, those people kind of need the camaraderie more than anybody else because they're surrounded by, by the sort of crazy, you know, <laughs> they're, they're surrounded um, by, by that. So they, they need the sort of, I don't know the experience that they're not entirely alone because they're most certainly not. Although it, it does seem like in a place like that, they kind of have to keep their political persuasions to themselves a lot more. And if they, they didn't, they might realize that they're not quite so alone. Because when you look at sort of voting records and so on, you see there are a lot of, I don't want to say Trump supporters as if it's some sort of version of conservative, but to some degree, there are a lot of, a lot of rebels uh, who are over there and who don't agree with the policies that made California as bad as it is, or, or Washington for that matter. Uh, just the West Coast is kind of that way. Um, you can't comply your way out of tyranny. Well, yeah, um, but people try. People believed it in the beginning. You know, when you had the um, when you had the sort of fourteen days to flatten the curve. Um, there were a lot of people who said, well, it's just 14 days, we can do this, and then we'll get our freedoms back. And yeah, that's not really happening, is it? It's like like, like two years later, and we're saying, mm, I don't think it's coming back at any point, you know, we're, we're talking about the next strain. And I just went over the symptoms um, of the next stream, uh, of the next strain by by the mainstream media's admission, okay? It's not, it's not me, it's, it's them. Okay, <laughs> anyway, guys. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and call it a night, though I have enjoyed this, and thank you for joining me uh, for this Christmas stream. It's, it's been really nice. Uh, I think we've had some fun here tonight, and thank you for joining me throughout this year. I've had some difficult times throughout this year, and you guys have been wonderful throughout it. I know that some of you keep me in prayer. Some of you send messages to me encouraging me to continue this work. Some of you support the stream financially the subscribe star and so on. Uh, however you support me, I do appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much to all of you. And have a good night and a very Merry Christmas, okay? Thanks. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider helping to support it. You can give a one-time donation or buy a branded mug at thecrusadergal.com. Or you can donate monthly by searching for my name, Sarah Corrier, at Subscribestar. Thank you so much. I couldn't do this without your support. And whether you can help financially or not, don't forget to tell your friends, Big Tech isn't going to help me spread the word. Thank you.